Welcome to the Curiosity Solution. I'm your host, Beverly Beal. Join us as we explore the science of curiosity, share stories of people who've used curiosity to improve their lives, and maybe inspire some aha moments along the way. Welcome to this wonderful uh, next episode with Patty Danucci. Thank you so much for being here with us, Patty. Oh, absolutely. It's my pleasure, Beverly. So Patty Danucci uh, is a someone I saw speak at a conference um, a while back, and she's a brilliant author. Um, uh, my gosh, I mean, you've done, you're an author, you're a coach. Let me see. I'm looking at blogger, speaker, facilitator. I mean, the, uh, that's just the top line of, of what this wonderful woman does. Um, Patty, I'd love to find out though, how did you get into the uh, business of being a communication educator? Ah, that's the, that's a great question. Um, I ended up, I ended up getting a clothing, textile and design degree in college. Okay. <laughs> I'm very, I lean very much towards art and writing. I have a, a minor in art and, and write art and writing and people, you know, having parties, connecting with them have always been my little trifecta of things that I do in my sleep. I mean, I literally talk and I've been told I'm a big talker in my sleep. <laughs> I never stop. <laughs> And when I got out of college, I moved to Texas. I followed my fiance and husband number one to Texas. That's where he got where, hired. Where did you school. start? Where did you start? I grew up in northern Minnesota and went to school in Wisconsin. Okay. Okay. So I did know that I wanted to move south. I was very tired of the cold, dark, long winters up there. And I knew I wanted to move south. Texas was the obvious choice back. It was, we're talking the early 80s. It's been a long time. But um, I ended up, instead of finding a fabulous retail career or, I don't know, Texas isn't really the fashion capital, although there, there are some great fashion companies and, you know, design programs here at the university. But um, I ended up working in the communications department of a scientific instrumentation company which was fine. I could do that job in my sleep. And then shortly after that, I got hired by a woman starting a marketing communications company that would serve the high-tech industry, which was just emerging. And I wow. think I was most attracted to her because she, I, I laid out everything I'd done, everything I knew how to do. And I said, am I a fit for you? And she said, absolutely. You're, you're in. So I worked for her for seven years doing ad campaigns, PR campaigns. I wrote about touchscreens when people weren't quite sure what we were going to do with them, which is shocking. And That's I wrote so about, cool. and I wrote about um, what they now call 3D printing. Like I, I just read that they're now letting people move into homes in East Austin that have been built through 3D printing. We used to call mm -hmm. it, um, we used to call it 3D modeling, I guess is what we called it back then. But I've written about a lot of really techie stuff. But then I, I, I went out on my own in 1989 and started doing more marketing communications for all kinds of companies. And from there, I started a freelance talent bureau to take on the overflow of the business that you know I was attracting the business that I couldn't do all the business. I couldn't handle all mm -hmm. of it. So I started, you know, floating it off to different designers and writers and all of that. Um, and that got me really networking 
a lot more than I had been. I was networking. When I started my own company, I started networking because that's the way you get clients. Um, but then when I had the talent bureau, I had to just really ramp that up. And I think that led into me writing The Intentional Networker, which is my, which is my first book. People kept asking me to come speak about networking. They kept asking me to coffee so that could, you know, ask me about how, what kind of networking I did and what were my techniques. And it just dawned on me these questions. When people ask you the same questions over and over again, I would say that's time, that's time to write a book or write or do something, open a consulting practice. Um, so one book led to my professional speaking career. Because if you're going to have a book, you might as well go out on the road and promote it. Plus, you've become an expert, so now people will pay you. And then the second book came along because I was still getting more questions. So my second book is called More Than Just Talk, and that's the conversation book. It's about having better conversations, more of the conversations you want to be having and fewer of the ones you don't, um, which seems to get people's eyebrows going up. Like, ooh, that sounds intriguing. So um, I, I'm st yeah. oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I interrupted you. No, no. I, I was just going to say, I'm still speaking. I'm I'm excited that this new book finally came out in February of 2023 and really excited about looking into 2024, getting a lot of um, interest in going in and doing some consulting to companies that have client-facing employees that are having a hard time with the interpersonal communication. It yeah, makes so, complete sense I don't know. to me. Yeah, it makes sense. It's just a path. Yeah, it's just yeah. a path. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes complete sense to me that you went from essentially interface being the the translator for mm -hmm. these technical type devices and concepts and in you know communicating it in such a way that the layperson could understand and get enthusiastic about mm -hmm. to now taking the same type of, of uh, facilitation towards helping people under, you know, trying to communicate, communicate like I can communicate now, um, <laughs> communicate their ideas and having this, you know, having the, the connection with someone else, you know, so many times the, the, uh, the intention of the conversation gets lost in translation. Um, oh boy, does it ever! Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, before before we started recording, uh, we we started uh, talking a little bit about the energy of conversations, and I'd love to dive right mm. into that because that's not exactly on my list of things to cover. But that is such a juicy, juicy topic. So yeah. let's, and you know, and it what, impacts. Yeah. yeah, it impacts us. I mean, do you ever walk into a house or like, especially an older house? Um, we're big travelers and, and we go, we're going back over to Paris in April. And um, I love walking into a house. I like walking into my own house and thinking of all the conversations that took place here. Mostly, I like to focus on the good ones. You know, there've been some arguments, there've been some dramatic things, you know, here and there, but it, the energy resonates. But when, gosh, when I meet somebody, and as we were talking about before we went on the air, um, I don't know if this is something that's just in my being, if it's a natural born talent or if it's something I've acquired. Maybe it's a combination of both. I think I've had it and, and I honed it and have polished it and I'm still polishing it. But I can pick up on, on people's energy um, sometimes before they say a word and sometimes while they're talking. And um, some people make me so comfortable. 
and other people at any given moment, you know, it can change from moment to moment. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to, I'm at a cocktail party. I'm having a conversation that's starting to get, I'm feeling uncomfortable for whatever reason. And I'm going to go mingle. I'm going to go move on to somebody else. And suddenly your drink needs to be refreshed. Yes. I have to go (laughs) refresh my drink. Or, hey, I see my good friend over there. I promised her I would, you know, spend some time with her tonight. Or, you know, have to use the ladies room or whatever. Whatever That's always a good one unless unless they say, oh, I'll go with you. And you're like, yeah. That's not what I meant. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's what some people struggle with is they feel like once they're in a conversation, they feel like they're stuck there. And one of the big things that, that I try to share with people is liberate yourself from that idea and just know that if you're not enjoying the conversation, either change it in some way with a conversation shifting question or comment or excuse yourself graciously and walk away and go find somebody else to talk to. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's the you know, feeling trapped yeah. that some people struggle oh, with. For many years, I felt unable to, to say no. I felt that you know, I, I had this, this kind of internal good girl program that said mm. that I have to take whatever is given. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my job was to make people feel comfortable and that some, you know, it's like, it was my job, not their job to yeah. adapt. Um, sure. you know, college, college years were a little challenging at times. Um, some, but you know, I, I, as I got older, you know, you start to understand that no is, a, and you know, excuse me is perfectly acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what you're describing about walking into an old home, um, you know, and, and thinking about the conversations uh, and, and how you're, you know, the, the, when you are talking with somebody that, you know, you could pick up on their energy. You've just described the attributes of um, there's, uh, well, two, two major terms that go around with that. Uh, either that's the uh, highly sensitive person, the HSP, mm-hmm. or there's, uh, you know, the, another one that has become, is also pretty common now, the energy empath. Mm. Uh, yeah, probably both of those. I've heard of both of those. And yeah, yeah, th- that could be me. That could be me. My mother always, I was the last of four girls, the, the youngest. And my mother always called me the peacemaker. I'm the one yep. that, uh, we're, I'm not accelerating this argument. I'm going to try to, you know, we're going to try to tone this down because it's kind of upsetting. Not that I don't have feelings and, and, you know, I have my own anger and my own issues that I have to deal with. But um, I think what I think is is interesting is do people, like when they go to a, a networking event or a gathering, social gathering or a meeting or a conference, do they stop and think about or even journal about what kind of energy am I bringing to this event today? I mean, I was even thinking, I was just finishing my bookkeeping for the year and, you know, I I didn't like the number, the final number for the year. And I thought, "Uh oh, is that going to impact my conversation with Beverly? (laughs) It's not. It's fine. It's all good. (laughs) I've had a wonderful year. But, um, you know, are we thinking about how we're showing up in the world, in this world that we're in? Well, I would hope so. Um, you know, again, I think there certainly are times when we all are a, kind of oblivious. Uh, that doesn't make us bad people. That just makes us uh, having those momentary lapses of awareness. You know, I know one of the big, you know, the buzzword, especially in certain circles, is being woke. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, for me, that term simply means being aware of 
again, how are you showing up? Mm-hmm. What is the history of the group that I'm showing up in? How has the group uh, been represented in the past? And again, what, of mm-hmm. those things, how can I improve things? Mm-hmm. Now, so when you're talking about, you know, you come into a, a space and um, like, like, you know, doing anytime I'm playing around with a lot of numbers, sometimes it just annoys me because... <laughs> I like nuance. I like gray. Numbers are very black and white. Thank you. <laughs> I, I agree with you on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, those kind of things, especially because that then ties in, they can tie in very much with the money story. Uh, yeah. And we all yeah. have money yeah. stories. And again, you're talking about, you know, the, uh, I, I'm the youngest of eight children. So, you know, we oh. have that youngest uh, thing going. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, I also was, uh, I, it's, I, I, think that I internalized being, like they said, the peacemaker um, from in utero because my, I was a surprise pregnancy. My mom admitted. (laughs) I mean, there's, there's three and a half years between me and my twin brothers. Love them. I mean, uh, again, and they're my, my uh, next sister in line was 18 months older than them. So my mom was tired. Yeah. Oh yeah. Praying that I was menopause. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well. And we probably came along and became the joy of their lives. You know, I'm, I'm pretty well, sure my parents are pretty proud of me. <laughs> but isn't you know that what? interesting, was, though? It, it's yeah, just so interesting. I, you know, when you talk about the whole woke thing and you talk about yeah. you can, people talk about DEIB and all that. Mm-hmm. My I'm not going to say it's my answer. My take on that is there's a couple of things going on in the world right now. One, people are trying to wanting to save the planet, which I think is awesome. I, we do have to have this planet to live on. I'm a big nature lover. I recycle like crazy. All my Christmas cards this year were on recycled paper and I used, I created art on Amazon packaging. (laughs) Anyway, you'd have to see it to to believe it. Anyway, um, I'm all about these great things that we're trying to do in the world, but I'm trying to encourage people to start with the very basics of one, acknowledging our fellow humans. When you're out and about, acknowledge anybody within a few feet of you, as long as it doesn't seem awkward or weird or demented in any way. Like, you know, you don't want to be elf, uh, buddy, the elf <laughs> running around New York city telling everybody Merry Christmas. You don't want to be that person. But I, I really have been observing how often we miss opportunities to, to greet somebody, to look somebody in the eye, to say, thank you, to say, excuse me. Um, when I'm in the gym and I have to move from one piece of equipment to another, and I'm going to be in, you know, getting in somebody's way or getting a little too close. I say, excuse me. And I notice how often people don't say that. So it, to me, it's the tiny human niceties that suddenly can shift somebody's day. It, like I was at the dry cleaners today and this poor woman, she works on her feet 12 hours every day. She's younger than I am. She looks older than I am. She's tired. She really wants to retire. But I tell you what, she loves her customers. And, you know, I said that we're grateful that you love us because you have every reason to be cranky and ornery. And my job when I come in here is to at least say good morning to you and ask how you're doing. And she says, you know, a lot of people do that, but a lot don't. So. Yeah. Well, and, and, um, I still remember there was one, one woman I used to work with way back in the day when I worked for Procter and Gamble, um, she was another rep for another division. And whenever she was in town, we'd get together and we'd go out to, to lunch or go out to dinner. And I 
was always shocked at how rude she was to the servers or to the valet. Or it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, anybody that was helping us, she would always find fault. And, Mm. and I never quite understood that until later, you know, again, this was way before I had any awareness of, of being an empath or of, you know, how you project, uh, your stuff onto other people. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until later that I was able to go back and look and see just how miserable she was internally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so whenever... Yeah. And so whenever I see people who are being grumpy like that, or they are being, you know, just toots, as my yeah. mama used to say, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, 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 it's not that I'm trying to excuse them, but I am curious about, wow, what else is going on in their world mm-hmm. that makes them feel like it's okay to dehumanize someone. And that's the thing that, um, again, coming back to the energy of, of conversations and just communication in general, um, you really can't have a conversation with someone that you don't feel is human. And I oh, feel absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's been one of the biggest challenges that we've had is that, you know, there are camps that have deemed the other side, the other side Mm-hmm. as less than. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's part of the reason why I think it's even more important to have good communication and good conversations. So when you have, you know, like the, the books that you have, you know, referenced, you know, The Intentional Networker and More Than Just Talk, how much of those do you think, how much of the stuff that you've written about in there would be applicable for helping to bridge that gap, to to see mm. the other person as, someone worthy of, of listening to. You know, I, I think, I think it touched, both books touch on that because, you know, when, when you said, you know, we have different factions, different sides, politically, environmentally, you know, pick a topic and people, you know, there's mm-hmm. a side to be on. I, I think it's even more grassroots than that. Um, I, I follow the work of a woman named, named Ruth Whitman and people say it's the pandemic that has made us, have made us so lonely and isolated. That's, I think that's a big thing I, I talk about is we've become so isolated. Like, did you know that Austin ranks as one of the top loneliest towns in the United States? Surprised me. I mean, again, yeah, Yeah. because so much of the, so much of the economy here now has become, um, tech technological, you know, technology oriented. Yeah. And so so, there's all this screen time. Right. So people are over the last, it's not just the pandemic, although that did, you know, get it exponentially, you know, fired up. But um, over the last 20 years, we've become more dependent on technology. We've become more addicted to technology. We have more options to do more things with our technology. Um, And and I think it doesn't even matter what side you're on. It does matter. I'm going to say it does matter. And we, we need to certainly find middle ground on all that. But I think we have just decided that being alone is better than being with other people, period. And I know people. I I have a neighbor that lives across the street, really nice guy. He just spends a lot of time alone. And I see over and over again on Instagram accounts that say, let's normalize, you know, spending the evening with our dog and a glass of wine. And, and, And I'm all about that kind of thing. I love a good, I love some time alone. I don't like all my time alone. Spending time alone too much like repeatedly is actually horrible for our health mental our mental health our physical health our emotional health 
Um, and, and it's truly, you know, there's a study out of Harvard that says that it, over the last 85 years, they followed people. And it's the quality of our relationships. It's the quality of our conversations, even with perfect strangers, that will determine our health, our vibrancy as we get older. And I'm getting up in there and I, you know, I have plans to be around for the next 30 plus years, God willing. Um, but I know I can't do it alone. So that's one of the reasons why I've also read that women tend to live longer than men, because we do tend to be more, mm -hmm. uh, focused on building communities, which of course requires communication. Right. And right. that's part of the reason, too, why married men tend to live longer than unmarried men, mm -hmm. because the wife makes them talk. <laughs> right. Unless in the case of my family, my dad was more social. And he outlived my mother by, oh, probably six or seven years. Oh, wow. Um, she was more she was more private. She was lovely. She was gracious. But she was more private. Um, you know, and I, I can look at all kinds of different couples older couples, some of my friends' parents, and it was the one that was more social that generally mm -hmm. lived longer and was happier. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so interesting. This is such interest. I love this work that I'm in because the more I dive into it, whether it's networking and, you know, my intentional networker book was more about let's network better, not, not more because who networking takes time. So let's do it, it well does. and let's go where, let's go to the events and have the coffees that are going to be either, if they're, if they're not at least energizing and enjoyable, what are they doing? Are, are we having a mutual beneficial relationship or is it one, one sided either way? And then the conversation piece really dove more into our human, our humanness of conversation. I love, I love that. You know, I'm a big networker. Uh, we've obviously been networking together now yeah. um, um, for a while. And I know too, that there are times when I can just get peopled out. Um, oh yeah. You know, you, you, you talked about the loan, you know, this loneliness, um, you know, pan, not the pandemic, but you know, that we had this, yeah. um, you know, that it's a trend. It's a trend. It, it's been going I, on for 20 plus years. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and, and it, you know, it's, it, there was a book that, um, our book club read, uh, it's called factfulness. Uh, Hans mm. Rowling is the Rosling Rowling. Anyway, it's called factfulness. Okay. Um, I actually just referred it to my, my siblings because, in that book, which was written, I think, uh, well, I'm, I, it's been a while. I can't remember now when, when it was written, um, but it's been at least 15, 10, 15 years. I'm writing uh, it down. <laughs> yes. Um, be, and it in there talked about um, the difference between the emotional perception and the actual facts. Mm. And, and so, you know, you, when you talk about, and, and how, and it really show illustrated just actually how much better things have gotten oh, yeah. over the decades, you know, mm -hmm. and, and using very specific metrics. Mm -hmm. But again, you would think, oh, wait a minute. No, everything's going to hell in a handbasket if you listen to certain. Yeah. People. Oh, sure. Um, you know, and, and, and so, you know, for me, that, that's where the curiosity of, perception comes in the, oh. the curiosity piece of yeah what makes what what is feeding that need for things to be terrible what is feeding the need to because because again oh. if you're coming into a conversation 
with yeah. this idea that, you know, the sky is falling, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're not going to come across mm-hmm. as a very happy, welcoming, you know, open-minded yeah. person who's going to yes. energize your communication partner. Yes. So that's oh my goodness. where I, <laughs> that's so where I look about at that. Oh, my oh God. well, let's go. Let's go. There's another great book out there. I have not read it, but my boyfriend has, he's, he's a very logical guy. Um, very well. You met him. He's he's a sweetheart too. He, another book is called The Rational Optimist. That's another Ooh. great book. It's written by a British mm-hmm. gentleman. But anyway, but when you talk about curiosity and perception, oh my gosh, those are just such great words that I, I my neurons are just flaring like crazy. I think some of it is the media, the constant drumbeat of the media, wanting us to be transfixed with the drama of what's going on in the world, and we have a negative a negativity bias. You're probably that's probably no big news to you. We have a negativity bias. If something's dangerous or unpleasant or potentially threatening, we're going to, you know, we're going to remember that and we're going to share it with everybody and, and we're going to be transfixed with that information. Okay. So you talk about, are things better now than they were? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Think about the era my parents grew up in. My parents would be 105 right now. They grew up in 19... 19- they were born in 1918. They grew up in the Depression during World War II um, through the the Russian Missile Crisis. I mean, our, I'm also a big history buff. Our world has always had chaos, always. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter of what chaos is in my sphere right now. Can I change this? Can I deal with this? Is this something that impacts me right now? I read the headlines in the morning and I like to know what's going on in the world. I like to feel educated and all that. And I like to know, I I mean, I want to be um, well-read, but once I'm done, I am done for the day because you, you can make yourself completely crazy. You you could read the paper or the headlines and just take your blood pressure um, and, and watch it just go up and, and it's designed. I don't know why we're so addicted to that, but people who bring that into a conversation, um, you know, and I've experienced that, um, regularly and, and and there's a name for that it, it's it's not a very nice name it's called the turd in the in the punch bowl and it's something that totally besmirches the energy of the room um yeah so at, at any given that is a very is, very visceral the phrase. turd in the punch bowl the i did not make that up bowl. the turd in the punch bowl and, and you know you your reaction to that is oh that's horrible but that's what the person who suddenly, you know, they're in a circle of people and everybody's talking about whatever Christmas or, um, you know, what are you doing for spring break or what are your summer plans or, or what are this, that. And that person makes a comment that just, you can just feel the energy just go. <laughs> I'm uh, laughing because. Patty, have you met sad. my siblings? <laughs> I swear I have yeah. I have one sibling that we could be having just a grand old conversation because mm-hmm. we all have a sibling chat uh, you know group yeah. text and I have have well there's a couple of them that depends on the day and and you know what ir- yeah. what level of irritation they have we could be talking about the weather about the pretty clouds about what the nieces and nephews are doing and and they'll throw in some kind of political, yeah. you know, Molotov Thing. cocktail. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Yes. How, that's a great example. This- that's a great description. It's just like, Pew! it's just a firecracker that goes right into. Yeah. And, you know, I think I know I've been guilty of it. Um, gosh, you know, the more I do this work, the more I catch myself doing things or saying something. 
or not saying something that I look back on and go, ouch, Patty, <laughs> what was that all about? And I think, again, it goes back to what's going on in your own mind. Mm-hmm. What are you, what's swirling around and what are you feeding your mind? I mean, as you know, as you well know, our diet isn't just what we eat. It's, it's the, the books we read. It's the shows we watch. It's, um, the news that we allow to filter into our head is, you know, you're your Wall Street Journal person or are you a New York Times person? Because either side will have something that'll get your blood pressure going. But what, how are, how are we preparing ourselves when we're around other people? Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that how do, when we walk into a room, I know you're all about rooms and spaces. So how are we either enhancing the space or contaminating the space? Right. Well, you know, you talked about, you know, the, you know, the, what we're watching, you know, uh, you know, what are, what kind of media are we consuming? Um, That's actually one of the reasons, a big reason why TVs and bedrooms are such bad ideas. Having Mm. any device in the bedroom is Mm. a bad idea because if you think about it, that screen becomes and it's, it becomes another person, another entity, and it mm-hmm. can become a relationship substitute. Your, your phone yeah. or your tablet yeah. can do the same thing. It's also I a portal. Like- it's a portal into what's going on out there where your bedroom should be, your your home should be your sanctuary. Right. I, right. You so know, whatever I you're it- watching comes yeah. into your room. So do you really whatever want that you- gunk on your floor? No. Yeah. What, what, what do you want to be watching? You said something earlier, too, about perception. Mm-hmm. Um, you said a bunch of words, curiosity, all those words. I, this is fun. <laughs> I love your vocabulary, Beverly. Um, Thank you. <laughs> so you mentioned perception. I want to go back to that for just a minute and talk about how, you know, I said earlier, I can pick up on somebody's energy or I can pick up on who I think they are. And, you know, there's the famous quote by Maya Angelou that says, you know, whatever people, how does that go? What? When people show you who they are, believe them. Believe them. Okay. So I wanted to go back to that because sometimes I make a snap judgment and I think we all do. And I think we've all been taught that people will make snap judgments about us. So present yourself well, you know, do all these things that we're talking about. I know I have been wrong. I have been wrong. Either I've thought, oh, what a nice person. And they turned out to be you know, a borderline psychopath who, you know, got their clutches in me and, you know, it was hard to extract them out of my life. Um, or I thought, oh, I don't really like that person. They don't, they don't look very happy. They don't look like they're a good person. And I've been wrong. I've been wrong because they were just going through something bad at the time. So I, I want to talk about, can we talk about that for a minute? About of how, um, you know, like, I know you do a lot of work changing the energy of the room, shifting the energy of the room. I think sometimes we have the opportunity to shift either our energy or find a way to shift someone we're in conversation with out of their, or or find the the truth about their energy. Like, is this just a temporary thing right now because you had nearly had a car wreck on the way over here? Or is this you that how you operate in the world? Um, That's a tricky one. I think it's worth exploring though. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the challenge with that sometimes is I think, you know, you and I, it sounds like, you know, you, are you, have you done the Enneagram? Yes. Are I'm a, am I a seven or a, I think I'm a seven. I'm the creative all over the place. I am okay, so that would be a seven. With a two, when, when I, then I want to be the helper, which would be bossy Patty. <laughs> be bossy Patty. So, 
Yeah, I I actually had been typed as a seven, but then when I started studying it more, it's like, oh no, I'm a nine, but I'm oh. a healthy nine. I have okay. with it with it with a strong eight wing, so okay. I I have gotten more comfortable with confrontation these mm -hmm. days, but I still don't enjoy it. Although no. sometimes it really is fun to you know, especially if somebody's being being a toot. Oh, helping yeah. them to see, but you know, confronting them in such a way that it is, it's not in a mean spirited way. It is mm -hmm. a, a way of getting to that, uh, to that nugget, you know, are you, you know, yeah. are you, you know, talk to me about, help me understand how you are coming at this problem or how mm -hmm. are you coming at this conversation? Because it could be that you just don't have the same baseline. You know, mm -hmm. if you aren't coming at things from that, from a, a shared vocabulary, you know, you talk about my mm -hmm. vocabulary before, um, then without having that shared set of words, it's difficult to communicate. You know, so you, you do need to find a Rosetta Stone if right. necessary for certain groups to, to, yes. to find their way yeah. to Yeah, help that me understand. You said something, yeah. help me understand. Tell me why you feel that. T tell me how, how you see it that way. How do you yeah. mean? Those are great words. And, you know, my conversation book is full of those little techniques mm -hmm. um, that I have to remember to go back to. I mean, this is not something you learn to do overnight. But, you know, I, I want to go back to, to you. I mean, you, you have, you're tall in stature. You have a very beautiful presence. And I mean that sincerely. You, when you say you're a nine, and, and I'm not as familiar with what they all are because I haven't, I had the file out the other day just because I was trying to remember what I was. Um, but you seem like a truth teller that you have to be a truth teller in your work so that you can help make the changes that people desire you to make. You have to point so things as, out to as, people. Yeah. So as a, as a nine, the three energy comes out more mm -hmm. when, when I am in that uh, more grounded place. So that's where oh, that, that achiever that. comes in. Cause I do like mm -hmm. that. Um, but that eight wing is what allows me to be more of the truth teller. Oh, and same. there are there, I, I, again, I try, I have, I have had to work very hard to not be as blunt mm -hmm. <laughs> and direct mm -hmm. as I would kind of like mm -hmm. to be. Um, too. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Menopause because, does that to us too. I think. I think suddenly we. Well, it's either age and experience, or or menopause. You know, the shifting of the hormones, a little less estrogen, a little more. You know, I I think there's a certain point in our lives when we realize we we know an answer, or we think we we know the answer, or we think we know an answer, and we want to get right to it. Interestingly, one of the pieces of information I found in my book was the smarter and more successful we are the worse we are at listening. First graders are often more better listeners than we successful grown-ups, which that blew my hair back when I read that. And of course it's in, the, it's in my conversation book, but you know, I think it's just interesting. Um, how, how do we, how can we communicate more gently? It's, it's a dilemma for me sometimes because I'm sometimes in too much of a hurry, but how can we communicate more gently and still be be strong and powerful and hold up our boundaries. It's, it's an interesting thing that we're constantly on the sliding scale of, do I have to be more blunt and direct right now? Or do I have to be a little more down the compassionate side where we're going to coat this in a nice chewy marshmallow that's fluffy and sweet and 
will they still get the point if we do that? Or can there be, is there something in the middle? <laughs> I was like, or do we just shove the, shove the medicine into the <laughs> strawberry and say, take it. <laughs> so my daughter does to her dog. <laughs> Um, Patty, you just muted. Better? Hello? Yeah, now I can oh, hear back. you. I got so excited. I got excited. <laughs> I hit a button. Anyway, yeah, this is a fun conversation. You can tell I'm getting all wired up about this. Um, it, it, this is just something be. that we have to keep working on. And, you know, I hear from people who are, they're introverts extroverts you know the introverts their battery is charged with the alone time with the creative time mm -hmm. extroverts their battery is charged with the people time i'm an ambivert straight down the middle the, the myers-briggs told me that that was one of the biggest epiphanies of my life was like oh now i know i'm not bipolar or you know some sort of weirdo like i love people but then i have to walk away um but there's also shyness and over and over again i hear people say well i'm an introvert or i'm shy they're different shyness you can overcome it's just a matter of strengthening your social muscles and confidence. Mm -hmm. Introversion is that's just how you are. That's how your battery, your alone time is where your battery is going to be recharged. You have to monitor your energy levels. But over and over again, people use different excuses from their social personalities on how they are. Like, this is just me. This is my authentic, or when people are blunt or when people are, um, I don't know. Uh, bluntness is one thing. Sometimes meanness. Oh, this is just me. I don't sugarcoat things. What I try to hopefully gently tell people, sometimes directly, is that these are all things that we can work on. And I think that's why the energy of my work is so interesting and endless to me because we all have so much work to do in this area. And, Always. And it, do a little bit here, do a little bit here. And pretty soon the, the entire, it's like what, it's just so much like your work. Let's move this around. Let's soften this corner. Let's change the color of the room. Let's soften this light from the north or from the south that's pouring in and making this room like a hot box. Let's fix that. It's, it's kind of like your yeah. work where we make tweaks. Well, and again, for me with my work, uh, it's, it's the house is in communication with you. Mm -hmm. And the way that you, the, the, this, everything is set up, um, again, with feng shui, it's, it's based on, you know, what direction is your house facing? And that's one layer. And then you take a space and you divide it into the nine equal sections mm -hmm. and each of them correspond with a different aspect of life. So I look at that as the template, as the Rosetta stone, if you will, mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. what is your home trying to communicate to you? Because at some level, there's, there's, you, you got to make sense of, well, why does clutter accumulate in this place rather than mm -hmm. this other place? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's as simple as that's the first spot when you first walk in the, right. the door. Yeah. But sometimes it's not. It sometimes mm -hmm. it gravitates someplace else. So, so for example, um, one of the thing reasons that actually got me really fascinated about studying this was, you know, again, talking about the perception and communication and the curiosity is I noticed that I would have clutter uh, accumulating usually in the east part of my house. Mm. So the east part, you know, and again, I went back and I even looked at the, you know, the other house that we lived at uh, when we lived in Frisco and it was the same direction and I was so perplexed. Mm-hmm. The East sector corresponds with the family and ancestors. 
so mm-hmm. your family of origin, you know, the country that, you know, the, the nationality that you came from, the history, you know, it could be like maybe if like in a business setting, you know, who were the managers before? What, you know, what, oh. you know, the grant, you know, why did this, you know, certain company start a certain way? Um, mm-hmm. How many people, how many buyouts happened? And so what kind of baggage is from there? For me, one of the patterns that I have spent my lifetime breaking is all of the stories of lack of women being subservient, of being quiet, of, you know, just, you know, you're, you're only allowed to make little teeny tiny waves instead of the great big transformations Mm -hmm. that I'm, you know, that I, that I do. Um, Yeah. So many. Fascinating, isn't it? It I mean, And it's a lifelong journey to walk through this and to recognize that in yourself. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, where is this coming from? I have my own stuff that I think, where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? Is this coming from what just happened? Or is this something that's three generations back that's still bubbling Mm -hmm. up through me? Is it something that, um, you know, like right now, my office is in the space where my ex-husband had his office when he lived here. And I have to clean this space very regularly. And I'm almost there. You know, I've done a lot of good. I tell you what, this is a, has been a very productive space when he was here. It was really, it really, he was really getting started in his business. And it's been a really productive space for me. But you know what? It's always been a messy space. It's, and that's one of my projects this week is to, and I even started writing down the question, do I love this? Does it remind me of who I am? Does it support my work up ahead? Can I use it in the future? And if so, how? I mean, why? And then my other question was going to be, why is this even in this, why is this object even in this room? <laughs> you know, you know an exercise, I'll say uh, there's another exercise that, um, that actually I, just this morning I was uh, talking with a client, visualize yourself 10 years in the future. Ah, is okay, this going to support 10, you know, 10 year yeah. future Patty? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? Or is this, is this something that 10, that at five year past Patty felt was important? Yeah. Because, it, you know, yeah. And here's is. another one. Does my, will my son want this? <laughs> I mean, I'm not that old for crying out loud. I plan on being around for a long time, but you know, I don't want to be the person that leaves behind for my only child and his wife a bunch of junk and things that are really important to me that are just, or maybe I think they're important to me and they will have no meaning to him. Maybe, I don't know. There there are certain things where he has told me, mom, I will want that. You know, someday I'll want that. Or I want to, I want to be reminded of all the things you did. So, but it's interesting. And, you know, we, we take that with our conversations too. We bring all kinds of junk from, previous marriages from previous jobs from our ancestors whatever and when we i think it's really important and i'm the first one to be you know told telling myself to practice this when we open our mouths is what's coming out making life better for somebody or worse including ourselves and is it your voice or is it your parents oh. voice i can't tell mm-hmm. you how many times mm-hmm. that i was i think one of one of the best um personal development, uh, experiences is when, you know, you have kids and, and you suddenly find yourself saying the same things to them that your parents said to you. And it's like, yes, what, what? what? tape? 
I yeah. didn't know I had this tape yeah. and I didn't know that you knew yeah. how to push the play button. <laughs> I, I got a birthday card from one of my my older sisters one year and it said, one year older, one year closer to sounding just like mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, and sometimes our kids, you talk about being a mom, sometimes our kids are very perceptive. One time, I think my son was probably in maybe a sophomore in high school and I was ranting and raving at him about something and he stopped what he was doing. I think he was literally on a video game, which was just, you know, spending way too much time doing that for him. But, you know, he looked back at me and said, mom, you know, what you're talking to me about, it, it isn't, you're not even mad about that. And I, I was like, wow, I was both taken aback and a little ticked off that, <laughs> how dare you say that? But I was I want to be like, mad. Wow. Let me be mad at what I want to be mad at. Yeah, let me be mad. Just don't ruin my mad right now. But yeah. I was really impressed that, like, sweetie, that is so perceptive. Wow. I thought that was really. And then I had to start thinking about, well, what is it about then? So I had to check myself and and go back. But I mean, I think sometimes we yeah. can do, sometimes it's a risky move, but sometimes when we're in a conversation and we're, and it depends on our relationship. You can't necessarily do this with someone new, or maybe you can, or with you know someone you kind of know a little way, a little bit, and then someone you know really well. When you catch them, like on a this negative role, to say, okay, time out. What's going on? Are you? I mean, is this is all your everything you're saying? Is this about this, or is there something else that maybe do you need me to just do? We need to pour a glass of wine, and I'm just going to sit here and listen to what's going on, or is is this something you actually take pleasure in? <laughs> this isn't the conversation I was hoping we would have. I, I had to do that with one of my sisters once. We were on the phone and she was going on and on about the flooding. It was springtime and all the flooding. She lives in Minneapolis and the flooding that was coming down from the Dakotas as the snow was melting and blah, blah, blah. And she was talking about, oh, and I said, you know, I didn't call you to talk about that. I can go on the news and hear about that. I want to hear how you are. What's going on? I mean, how are the kids? How are, how's John doing? How's you know, so sometimes we can inter, we have to do it carefully, but sometimes we can intervene and change a conversation and get people out of their negativity bias or whatever it is that's going on. And then we have to sometimes catch ourselves too and go, you know what? I've just been, I just said three complaining full things and I'm sorry. And let's rewind and let's here, tell me about how your day is going. <laughs> I've, I've been kicked right. off the podium here. I, Let's catch ourselves. Let's be aware. The awareness is, yeah. is the best skill of all. That's the first skill I try to teach people is let's start being aware of how we are. And very good points. So let me kind of um, circle back a little bit to some of the questions that I do like to ask for all of my, um, my guests, you know, talking about that awareness when you are, you know, you talked about, you know, the sensitivity and the curious, I'd like to know curiosity wise, where do you, does curiosity live in your body or does it live outside mm. of your body? That How was you a know great what to pursue? question. That was a great question. I think for me, I'm trying to imagine like, say being on a hike. That was the first thing that being on a hike and seeing a plant or an animal or a track or a rock formation. I mean, I literally, Beverly, I walk around the world just going, Wow. <laughs> You'd think I'd be like smoking dope all the time or something, which I don't. <laughs> I don't need any of that. I am I am really where does that come from? And I think honestly, I think it comes from down in my solar plexus or stomach. And it just oh my gosh. And it just comes up and out of my mouth. Like, wow. I get 
you know, I'm reading a book or something on an airplane and I'm nudging my sweetie who's reading his own books. Like, you got to hear this. This is so, <laughs> I, I just get so excited. And, and interestingly, there's a whole chapter of it in, on my book. Curiosity is one of the four C's. In oh. fact, I think if people go to my website, I think this, yeah, that is the chapter. It's the free chapter available on my website. Um, in, intentionalnetworker.com. And you didn't even know that, did you? I did not. Curiosity. Oh, let's see. What are the four C's? Let me remember them. Caring, curiosity, courage, and... Write this down. Hmm. Gosh, Patty, what's the four C? <laughs> it's been a while since I've read this book. There's <laughs> a fourth one. I'll leave that one. I'll leave that as a mystery. But we have to care about people. We have to be curious and ask them questions. I mean, obviously, you're curious because you have a podcast. Isn't that the exactly. ultimate media for curiosity um and then courageous uh, yes this might be a bad conversation but you can walk away you have the freedom mm -hmm. to walk away so and yeah and so it comes have... up through this is that normal is right. that weird is that you know no it's just everybody has their own way of 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 you know like uh, that for me the the uh, curiosity tends to be it's almost like there's a zipper that opens up oh. And the whole body just kind of like comes forward and I just envelop it. Um, but, you know, I love, I love that you, how you're talking about going out for a hike and, you know, whenever I'm out in nature or even just walking down the street, I will mm -hmm. spot some interesting uh, architectural piece or the way that the, I love looking at clouds. <laughs> I do too. I can oh, make up stories about oh. the cloud shapes. It's fun. We call them cloud shows. We sit out on our back deck. We watch the sun go down. We have a glass of wine. Watch the clouds. Um, but you know, I we can be at the gym, and you know, a friend of ours who runs casinos out in Reno, Nevada, and has seen everything. You name the person, the type of person he's seen it. His line that, that I am trying to adopt is: "People are endlessly entertaining, and they really are. are. They we really are the are. most." diverse and bizarre species. I mean, interesting. So we'll go to the gym and after we've finished at the gym, we'll go to lunch, grab a sandwich somewhere. And we'll talk about, oh, did you see, and we have nicknames for some of these. And we're not trying to, I mean, we would never say these things in front of, but it's just our way of acknowledging the beautiful variety of life. And there is so much on this planet that is so amazing. You know, I see deer Absolutely. out front. I see armadillos. People say, oh, possums, armadillos are ugly. You should get rid of them. I think they're adorable. I love them. I eat all, make holes in my yard, eat all the bugs so I don't have to put more chemicals on my lawn. But I was going to say, do not be mean to possums. They no. eat the ticks. The ticks. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just a wildly curious person. Um, you like that? You know, was curiosity um, something that that was allowed you to you know, have it as a child? Was oh, it yeah. rewarded? I mean, as the oh, youngest, I, well, you know, for me, I yeah. would say one of my my one of my first memories is me. My mother is sewing. I'm a toddler or just crawling, and I grab a pin or a needle that I have found on the ground, which in itself was dangerous, and I was about to stick it in the electrical socket and. The, ha the hand came down and boop, knocked that out of me. I and and that was that's and it's I don't have any that's just not a bad memory that's just a memory um, of me trying to do something that was probably stupid but my parents knew I was creative I got to draw when my sisters were all at school and I was still at home with mom she's trying to clean the house and I had my little drawing station where I just love to draw I love listening to music when 
I met my first friend, Gina, who I, I talk about all the time. I just put a little picture of us together on my bulletin board today from when we were like five years old. Um, we were both, we, we were and still are very creative people. And we used to come up with so many ways to play to, we'd make up games. We'd put on a show. We'd pretend we were the Beatles. We'd pre- whatever we came up with. We'd, we'd start with a game that was a regular game and turn it into another game. And it's just who we are. It's just who we've always been. And when we see each other, it's like we were never apart. Um, so my parents encouraged that because we stayed out of mom's hair. <laughs> yeah. If, if you could stay out of your mom's hair and not bother mom while she's trying to cook and clean and do all the things that a busy mom does, um, she's all right with that. As long as you're not getting in, like, don't run in traffic. That's a big one. Don't, you know, stay safe, but they I grew up on a pig. Yeah. The farm I grew up on, we had pigs. And so, oh my, um, don't fall in the pig. Yeah. <laughs> well, funny enough that you say that that was actually apparently one of the things that happened once I uh, was probably about two and I managed, you know, my siblings were supposed to be watching me and I toddled out of the house and you know, the, the, uh, we had baby pigs. And this was before we apparently had built the the farrowing house, uh, which is just, it sounds like a terrible thing, but it actually protected the babies. Um, It it kept the mother more confined for not a Mm -hmm. long time, maybe a month at the most, Mm -hmm. just until the baby pigs could get their feet under them and move out of the way. Yeah. But before that, you know, they were just in the yard or, you know, in their pen and I crawled underneath the electric fence. Wow. <laughs> and they found me out there pulling the pig, ta- the, the little tails on the pigs. Yeah. Because, you know, you pull them and you let them go. And they, they curl back up again. It's like, you know, so I was out there. They found me because I was just laughing my head off. Yeah. And yeah. again, in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of things, that could have been very dangerous because these, mm. these mother pigs are large they're mm-hmm. usually about you know 600 pounds or more oh, yeah. yeah and they were just like eh. oh same wow. thing as like you're keeping the baby out of my wow. feet whatever play with That's... the tail huh? <laughs> but, but see now i know that because you've told me that when you pull on a tail a pig's tail it springs back. See, I, I, I just yes. always imagined that's sort of a cartoon type thing, but that's a real, see, I know a new fact now. See, it's I a love real that. thing. Yeah. yeah. I just wish I could hold all more of the facts more, more readily, more readily available. Like I, I'm sure I am forgetting things, but it's more like it's a Rolodex up here that has to keep turning over until the information, like if there's someone's name, I don't remember, I will eventually remember. It might be three hours later, but I yes, I'm, I am. I wish I could say that I could remember three hours later. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. <laughs> no, and yeah, I just I, say, ah, yeah. well, you know, yeah. I'm all, I don't forget faces. Um, I and don't I usually either. can remember the context, but, mm-hmm. um, so you had alluded to, you know, your, you know, a career change, uh, mm-hmm. that you are, you know, you know, you, you went to all, there's all this writing and now you've got this book and now suddenly you're, you know, you're on the speaking circuit. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you're, and it sounds like you're in a new relationship, which in, usually entails more travel. Um, mm-hmm. What's next for Patty Danucci? Mm, what's next for Patty? So this year in 2024, I really want to do, um, I still enjoy speaking. And, you know, if, if they're going to pay my fee, I will show up. But I also want to do more consulting, which is something I can do more locally. I don't have to get on a plane. Um, and I'm getting more interest in people saying, come and teach our client facing employees 
A lot of them are younger, but I will also say sometimes older people have issues too. They need a little, need a little reminders and refreshers on, you know, take the client. Why do we have to teach people how to take the client to lunch? For me, that was like, give me a credit card. I'm there. I will totally handle this <laughs> for you. But that's how I grew up. And that's a whole another story for an, another day. But um, I, I want to do more active work consulting and helping companies, organizations, conferences, and all that. Um, way down the road, like in 10 years, um, I'm also an artist. And I started getting back into watercolors. And I'm learning some new media. Like, I don't know if you've ever worked with a jelly plate. They are just the coolest thing. It's it's a soft plastic plate that you put paint on. And then you can do textures with different objects, with plants, with Q-tips. You can write with Q-tips. You can press um, stencils into them, and then you put paper on it and pull the paper up. And you kind of know what you're gonna, what you're going to get, but you don't really. And again, there's that curiosity of, ooh, what's this going to do? It's it's a it's a it's a playpen. It's a playpen for art. So I know that later down the line, I want to be doing more art. And if I, if that becomes a profession, excellent. Um, I don't think I'll ever stop teaching people about the connection and conversation piece, because it's just so vital to our, to our happiness and our health mm -hmm. and our success. Yeah. It's just so important. The more I do it, the more I love it. I think you were spot on though, with uh, targeting the fact that more younger people mm -hmm. need help in the face-to-face -face mm -hmm. communication mm -hmm. because so much of their existence of their yeah. formative years was text. And, you know, how can you, how can you, you know, communicate with the fewest letters? I mean, and now entire conversations are had via emoji mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, you, you can only make so many faces in person before they yeah. start to, you and know, ask if so, you've had your medication. And it's so easy to misread what's been said. It, you, yeah. You're missing, you know, the, even the, the, part about like you and I right now, I think virtual has been great. I fought it at first. I thought I'm not doing virtual. Now I love it because it's convenient. It, it's better than nothing. It's, it's the next mm -hmm. best thing to being together. But when we're actually together in a room with whether it's a group of people or one-on-one, -on -one, we're seeing each other in three, three dimension. We're seeing more micro expressions. We're seeing things outside the frame, like what's going on. Um, there's just so much of life that I think technology is robbing us of. And in fact, I'm going to be speaking at the um, Project Management Institute's Spring Professional Development. I'm the closing keynote speaker after they've spent the day learning about AI. And I'm going to bring them back to the fact that, okay, AI is not a replacement for human interaction. It's a convenience. It's a tool. And mm -hmm. we still, hopefully it'll give us more time to have true interaction which you cannot replace. You can't, you can't. In mm -hmm. fact, um, my daughter's in the process of um, writing her application for her residency. Uh, she's, she's a, a veterinarian and is oh. becoming, working, working on becoming a board certified surgeon. And, you know, that requires, you know, internships and residencies, you know, mm -hmm. with, and, and matching with other programs, just like people medicine. Mm -hmm. And they specifically said, you cannot use any AI generated text, we mm -hmm. know, we will check. So she's having to use her brain. It's a very good brain. Yeah. Brain. I mean, 
veterinarians, I mean, I, t- I tell you what, I, I had a, a beautiful golden doodle for 15 and a half years who was my sidekick and my best little friend. And she, and she was the most intuitive, wise dog that was just was with me through all kinds of stuff. And I'll tell you what, our veterinarian was there at the beginning and she was there with me at the end when I had mm-hmm. to make big decisions. And those, I mean, they're like any doctor, but I mean, as far they're taking care of our best little friends. And so I have every big respect for veterinarians because they, every day they, they go through the joy of the animals and then the agony of their illnesses. And then they're there with them at the end. Um, yeah. Very amazing. Well, That's just, so cool. Yeah. She just loves, she just loves, you know, again, talking about the, the problem solving and the communication skills. Mm-hmm. I mean, so hopefully we've, She's got the problem-solving skills. She's got a very good brain, and uh, and she also does have great communication skills. But yeah. she loves the precision of surgeries. Mm-hmm. So, well, oh, Patty, I usually try to cap these around an hour, and uh, we are at time. I mean, imagine again, that. Flies. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's thank a good you sign. So much. Um, I will uh, put a link to to your your books in the show notes to your website. Um, uh, and I'm sure they can get to your speakers page from there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, in addition, I will uh, have my my links to my programs uh, in the show notes as well. And um, thank you so much for your time and for being oh. so generous. I really appreciate it. And what Patty, what what a yeah. great treat! I mean, you and I have gotten to know each other a lot more this year, and I think this is just one more conversation that just keeps that relationship going and hopefully we've shared some things that were interesting and fun and useful for the yes, many and, people and, who will listen. And absolutely. And I would love to talk to you more about collaborating in the future with you teaching people how to speak to each other and me teaching people how their space is communicating. Let's do it. I'm in. All, All right. right. Thank you so much. Bye. And I will uh, chat with the next person. Thanks again for everybody joining in and uh, join me in a couple weeks for the next episode of The Curiosity Solution.